Your grace lifted us out of the situations we found ourselves in and got ourselves into. Your love for us overwhelmed everything we ever did, anything we might ever do. Father, today that's why we come. That's why we gather. That's why we follow. That's why we turn to you this morning and as we open your word and as Justin shares with us about your relationship with us and our relationship with family and how these things work and look like in your word and according to your scripture. Father, open our hearts and our minds. Teach us. Help us to hear and help us to learn that this was all be to your glory and your kingdom today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, grab a seat real quick. We're going to invite Justin to come up. He is going to share with us what God's laid on his heart. Come on up. We got a mic for you because we got rid of our other mic. No, he's just not here this weekend. Well, good morning. It's great to be with you all. And uh, man, what a beautiful day. I don't know if it's been raining as much in Rock Springs as it has been in Casper, but it feels like I have not seen the sun in a month. So, this is glorious. I will take this, although my water bill thanks the rain, but, um, but this, is, this is good. I love the sunshine. Well, hey, it's so good to be with you this morning, and um, as, as was said, uh, this is my wife, Heidi, and we have two little kids. We asked them, uh, we have five kids, I should say, two of them that came with us. We asked them, do you want to stay out with us, or you want to go to the kids' program? And they peaced out. So, um, they're back there having a good time. Um, but we are so excited just to be here sharing with you and uh, have had the opportunity over the last few years to get to know Pastor Michael and, and, and Christy and um, had them up to Casper, um, gosh, probably a year ago. And they did a marriage weekend for us. Um, and so really enjoyed that, getting to know them, their teaching and what they bring. You guys are blessed with an incredible pastor. Um, and so I, I, I'm praying that as he comes back from this sabbatical, he, he is refreshed, refilled, and uh, I, I can't wait to see where things are going to go for you guys. Um, but I also want to say, man, you have an incredible leadership team. I mean, they, they've been able to carry this through the last couple of months and uh, made it super smooth for us coming down and all the things that they've had to juggle and, and put together. You guys really have an incredible leadership team. So it's a blessing to be here with you today. Well, I want to talk to you about family. And, and I, I was just, this has been burning on me kind of between Mother's Day and Father's Day. And I've kind of just been rattling around on this idea that we are God's family. Yes, we are, we are drawn into his family. We are his children. He has saved us, delivered us, set us free, and we get to be his children. What an amazing, amazing reality. Isn't that amazing? We get to be his kids. And so I figured, you know, something everybody deals with, doesn't matter what church you're a part of, doesn't matter where you go, doesn't matter what part of it, what state you're from, is this idea of relationships. Relationships are something we all have to deal with. And so I want to share with you um, a little bit about just some things that I feel like God's been putting on my heart and how we are to relate to one another specifically and how we are to love one another and serve one another. And we know these things, right? I mean, we've heard it. If you've heard any messages or sermons in your entire life, you've probably heard something about loving one another. We sang about it this morning. We are called to love one another. And so we know that, we talk about it, but how many of you know it's a little harder to put into practice sometimes? And, and I mean, we, with the people you like, it's pretty easy. You can, you can like them pretty well, and it's easy to love them. What about the people you don't like as much? 
and, and of course, none of them sit in this room. But if that was possible, there may be people that just like grind you just a little bit. And you, you have to thank God every day for that grinding ability to continue to sharpen your iron in your life, right? Well, how are we to love those people? So I want to begin in Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, as Steve mentioned, my parents have been here several times over the last couple of months uh, Dave and Beth Limmer, and I'm now pastoring the church that they started. And I listened to some of his message from last week when he was here, and he preached out of Ephesians. I'm like, dang it, he's going to take all my thunder right off the bat. Um, but uh, like father, like son, we're going to Ephesians. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 3. He was in Ephesians 1, so I knew I couldn't do that. I jumped ahead a couple of chapters. And we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, but he, he really did lay the groundwork, and many of you will remember if you were here last week, of just that idea that we have been adopted into sonship with Christ. We are in him, and we are part of his family. And so Paul continues to carry on this idea. And in Ephesians chapter 3, um, starting in verse 14. Now, I don't know if how many of you have figured this out, but my dad cannot preach through a passage. Have you figured that out yet? He starts and he stops after a couple sentences and then he like goes to three other verses and then he tries to come back and like back at, at our church, he's preaching today at Restoration Church in Casper and the media team, they'll have a list of probably 20 or 30 verses. Do you know how many they get through when he's preaching? Like two or three. So he just, he, he just, he gets caught up in the passage. Uh, I don't, I'm not quite like that. So I know this is a large passage, but we'll get through it. I promise. Ephesians chapter three, verse 14 says, for this reason, of course, the things that he's been talking about in, in Ephesians one, Ephesians two, how he joined the Gentiles and the Jews together in one family. And so in verse 14, he says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the father. We just sang about that today, that we have a good father. He loves us. The revelation of God that Jesus shared most often was that of father. God is father. I bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. In other words, all family life comes from God. Our earthly families our spiritual families, every aspect of family. Now, some of us don't have great families, and there is no question that sin can get in the middle of family, twist things up, mess things up, and cause all kinds of chaos. But originally, God designed family to be the way that he moves his mission forward, the way that he reveals himself on earth. Amen? So he says, every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. How many of you could use a little bit of strengthening today? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Okay, I'm going to have to stop. All right, I promise you, I'm not, I'm not going full Dave Limmer yet. But we do have to stop and look at this for a moment because you see the thing here is that we're not rooted and grounded and, and established in truth, although that's important. I mean, Jesus came full of grace and truth. Truth is absolutely fundamental. But the family is rooted in love. The family, your connection with God, it begins and ends in love. Our connection of acceptance into the family of God 
is not based on what you believe or exactly if you believe all the same things. Look, I can't even get my wife to agree with me on everything. You think you're going to come into a church family setting like this? Almost, almost. I've, I've almost got to convince I'm right most of the time. Um, you're going to come into a family setting like this, and you're not going to agree on everything, but we're not rooted and established on agreement. We're not rooted and established on doctrines of faith. I mean, that's important, by the way. By the way, we believe strongly that you have to have strong doctrines and, and statements of faith, but our rooted and grounded has to be in love. Our acceptance comes from that place of love. Verse 18 says... Well, let's, let's jump back here, 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts. I know you're starting to think I'm like Dave now. <laughs> Being rooted and grounded in love, you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Wow, that's awesome. Think about that. We get to be filled with the fullness of God. But you see, there's something here that too often we read the Bible individually. You know that? Like when you're reading the Bible, we tend to individualize it. But he says that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and height and width. And, and that tells me that we need one another. That, that tells me that you have something that is important to me understanding who God is. That's pretty cool. That means that God has, is so vast and so incredibly comprehensive that he has spread himself out in people all over the earth that we can learn from one another, benefit from one another, and even come to understand God better through one another. You cannot comprehend God all by yourself. You need other people. That's what he says right here, that you would be able to comprehend along with all the saints. So family is not only God's idea. He, in, he, he, he put so much into it that you cannot get the fullness of God without family. You can't get it without the spiritual family and connection to who God is in all of us. And then, of course, we come to my favorite verses in the Bible. Verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. Yes? To him be glory where? In the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is family language. He wants to be glorified in his family church, in his family setting through all generations. Aren't you thankful that it's not just about us? It's about our children and our grandchildren. And it's going to carry on from generation to generation. And God is going to continue to receive glory in the church. So this is God's heart. This is family. This is what it's about. And we have to ask ourselves then at that point, how are we to function as a family? How, how does that look? What are we to do? And I don't know about you, but I'm guessing that you have some sense of family, either good or bad, as I said a moment ago. But how many of you know family have issues? Maybe not your family, but my family. My family has issues. We have lots of issues. Well, guess what? If we are a church family, guess what we're going to have? Issues. The church is not exempt from issues, in case you didn't know that yet. You, 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 you're coming here, and you're like, oh, man, he just burst my bubble. Like, I was hoping this was the perfect church. The church has issues. We have issues because we're a family. And you know what? Family is made up of people. Therefore, we have issues. 
So then the question is, what are we going to do with those issues? How are we going to process through those issues? And here's what happens, here's what makes me sad, is a lot of times people just pull away from church family. They pull away from any type of connection. And I've heard people, I mean, we have Christian songs on the radio that talk about me and Jesus against the world. Have you heard those ones? You haven't heard those? They're interesting. But there's this idea that it's like, you know what? People let me down. People fail. People are going to disappoint me. Hey, that's true. And then we get to this point where it's like, but I just, I just, just me and Jesus. That's all, that's all that matters is just me and Jesus against the world. Except that's not what the Bible says. He never says it's just you. And I mean, we need Jesus individually. You cannot depend on other people for your faith and your salvation. Amen. But we need other people. We need to walk in family. And, and a lot of times people will pull away from connection. They'll pull away from relationships. By the way, if I have any hermit loners in here, look, I love you dearly. This is, I'm not trying to bring any kind of condemnation or anything like that, but you need people. You've got to have people. I'm all for going up in the mountains and disappearing for a couple weeks. Anybody else? Come on. We all need that once in a while. Okay. We need a break from people every once in a while. But we also got to stay connected. Brene Brown talks about this idea of connection. People that are connected have lower rates of anxiety and depression. They have higher self-esteem. They are more empathetic, more trusting, and cooperative. Some of you, I lost you right there. You're like, oh, I don't want to be more trusting. Absolutely not. No, we need connection. Here's what she says. A deep sense of love and belonging is an irresistible need of all people. We all need to belong. We are biologically, cognitively, physically, and spiritually wired to love, be loved, and belong. When those needs are not met, we don't function as we were meant to. We break, we fall apart, we numb, we ache, we hurt others. This is what happens when we don't have connection, when we're not joined together in some sense of family. And so I just want to challenge you guys today that we need connection. And that's why you're here. You guys are all here. You get this. You understand this. But sometimes there's that little temptation that comes along that says, you know what? I'd be better off without them. And today, God is reminding us we need one another. We need family. We need connection. We're created that way. I find it interesting, and I don't know if this is true here, but in, in, in my church, Restoration, Casper, Wyoming, sometimes it's easier for people to connect to people outside the church than it is to connect to people inside the church. They have their better friends. They get along better with people. It's like they understand me better. The people in the church, they just, they, they're, they're just frustrating. I can look across here and see that's not true here. But in my church, that is occasionally true. And so sometimes we, we try and find connection outside of, and, and by the way, we should all have friends that are not members of the church, yes? That we should all have friends that we are ministering to and working with, and even people that we get along with and enjoy just for the fun of it. But that should not make us pull away from the connections and the relationships that we have in the church. So what's this family supposed to look like? What, what are some of the keys to loving one another, to being rooted and established in love? Well, the very next verse, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Remember, when Paul wrote this, he didn't break it in chapter and put a little headliner there and say, I'm done with chapter 3, on to a new topic. So he finishes chapter 3 talking about how there's glory to Christ in the church through all generations. And then the very next verse, this is what he says. Ephesians 4.1, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. With what? 
all humility and gentleness and patience, accepting one another in love, diligently keeping the unity of the Spirit with the peace that binds us. Ooh, don't you love those words? Aren't those nice, little, easy-to-do, comfortable words? Let me give those to you one more time. Humility, gentleness, patience, accepting one another, keeping the unity of the Spirit. By the way, I like to point this out. It's not our job to create unity. It's our job to keep it. The Holy Spirit creates it. So, how many of you love being gentle and kind and, and humility? Are these, are these, are these things that are, are looked upon with uh, high esteem in our world today? Are these things that people look at and like, oh yeah, you just, you just need to be a little bit more patient? No. We're hearing messages of stand up, take your stand, make your voice heard, let, push your, your agenda down other people's throats. That's how you're going to get across. But that's not what he says here. That's not what lives in family. Paul goes on in Colossians chapter 3 and really hits on this same idea. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, a lot of the same things. But I want to read this to you because I, I find this intriguing. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and, oh, here's this worst part right here. Forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive all. And then he had to add this on there. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I don't know how you grew up, but I, I grew up with two brothers and, and we fought. We had issues. And, and look, I mean, I get it, the importance of, of walking through this process of saying sorry and forgiving. My parents would, would, would pull us together and be like, hey, you, you, you hit him, you needed to not do that, so you need to apologize, I'm sorry. And then you'd turn to the other person and say, I forgive you, and they'd say, I forgive you. And then we'd go back out back of the house and finish what we started. <laughs> right? But we went through the motions. And sometimes we carry that into our Christian life. It's like, oh, you know, as a pastor, I have so many people in my office, and I'll ask, like, they're really mad at so-and-so, and they're going on, and I'm like, well, it sounds like you need to, oh, I've forgiven them. I have forgiven them. I just don't like to see them. I can't stand seeing them. They drive me nuts. But I've forgiven them. It's all good. We're all good. I'm like, eh, maybe our definitions are slightly different. You see, that's why Paul had to drive it just a little bit further, and he says, I want you to forgive them as Christ forgave you. Oh, man. Like, he didn't just, like, forgive you and, like, yeah, I forgive you. I never want to see you again. Is that how God forgave us? I forgive you. Just don't, you know, yeah, fine. Your ticket into heaven's secure. I just never want to see you again for all of eternity. Get out of my sight. No. He loves us. He brings us into a relationship. That's what forgiveness looks like. No, I'm not saying that every person that we forgive, we're going to have some kind of golden relationship with. That's not reality in our human world. It doesn't always work that way. There may still be rifts and gaps and those kind of things. But forgiveness looks like that same type of love demonstrated towards them that Christ demonstrated towards us. Verse 14. Over all these things, over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. As members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. You know, that's a hard one. How many of you feel like Thanksgiving is a major part of your life? And, and that's awesome. It should be, right? Every morning you wake up, you're thankful. How many of you are thankful for those relationships that you just can't stand? After forgiving them and after, he says, and put on love towards them. And, oh, and by the way, let me just end it with this. Be thankful. Ooh. 
You see these elements, and, and we'll go ahead and throw these up here, but let me just run through them for you one more time so you see them. Humility, gentleness, patience, compassion, kindness, acceptance with love, forgiveness, peace, self-control or the control of Christ in your hearts, unity of the Spirit, thankfulness. Does this sound like what our world is pushing today? Does this sound like what they're telling us, this is what you need more of? No. And, and look, these come, into, uh, these come into question every time I get in a car. Uh, I don't know if, what driving's like in Rock Springs, but in Casper, the dri- they just, people just don't know how to drive. I'm pretty sure people do not know how to drive. And you get jammed up behind somebody, something or other, and I can't get where I'm going, and patience is not the first thing that comes to my mind. So these things are going to get tested, but you know what? There's a calling for us to put these things into play, into practice in the family of God within the church setting, that we would begin to walk together in a way that really does demonstrate humility and patience toward one another, gentleness, kindness, compassion, forgiveness, and love. So that got me to thinking, and, and uh, I pulled this, um, this idea from a speaker that we've had at our church a couple of times, Steve Backlin. But he says that there's a cycle in every relationship that you will tend to go through. Number one, the beginning of a relationship is full of excitement. It's full of just new life, and there's just, there's, there's lots of getting to know each other, and like, oh, you're the coolest person in the world, like, I love you so much, and, and you can fall in love with them and very quickly, and that happens in marriage, that happens in work relationships, and it certainly happens in church relationships. But eventually, somewhere along the way, in the relationship, there will be a point of disappointment. Disappointment will happen in every relationship, whether it's parents and children, whether it's children to parents. I know I've disappointed my kids more than once. Whether it's church relationships, whether it's work relationships, or even with a pastor. This is always the funniest one. Like, you know, I, I get to know people and, and pretty soon they, they're just thinking like, oh man, you're, you're the best pastor. I love having you and, and I love listening to you and all this stuff. And I'm just like, wait, just wait for it. Somewhere along the way, I promise I will disappoint you because I'm human. I will disappoint you and people get disappointed. Now, I don't know. You guys might have the most perfect pastor. So maybe this doesn't happen here, but disappointment is going to happen. Disappointment will come. And at that point, there's a choice, a decision of what you're going to do with that disappointment. And it can either go one of two ways. Most often, people disconnect. People will disconnect, and they'll just pull away. Oh, they weren't what I thought they were. I, I, I thought that they were better than that. I thought that they wouldn't let me down like that. I thought that they knew me well enough to, not, to protect my heart, to guard my heart. Why did they hurt me so much? And will pull away from the relationship. And that's the enemy's plan. He's constantly trying to bring division. He's constantly trying to sow those seeds of like, oh, they let you down. Like that was very purposeful. They meant to hurt you. They meant to, 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 to cause pain in your life. And sometimes that's true. More often than not in most relationships, most hurt is not intentional. So what are we going to do with it? The disappointment is going to come. And we could easily disconnect and fall out of the relationship. Or we can make a choice to reconnect. We can make a choice to buy back into the relationship and say, you know what? Maybe they don't have it all together either. Maybe they're just human as well. And maybe I need to learn how to walk together with them on a deeper level. So this leads me to this idea. 
in order to walk in relationships in that way, where we're constantly reconnecting into the relationship, one of the things that's mentioned here and Paul talks about is the idea of humility. We need humility. We need to walk in humility. So let me give you a couple of definitions of humility. The number one definition is out of the dictionary. See how this one feels. I don't like this one, just to set the stage. But this is out of the dictionary. Definition of humility, having a feeling of insignificance, inferiority, low in rank, low in importance, not arrogant or proud. Does that sound right? Inferiority. Do we need to feel more inferior? Most of us already struggle with that. We don't need, oh, more humility. Just feel more inferior about yourself. That's not humility. That's what the dictionary describes it as. That's not humility. Humility in God's eyes is this. It is seeing yourself correctly as God sees you, not more than or less than. It's seeing yourself as God sees you. You remember the story of Gideon when, when God shows up to Gideon? And, and how does he greet him? Do you remember? What's he say? Greetings, mighty warrior. I got one back there. I got one back there. Greetings, mighty warrior. Gideon was hiding away from the enemy. He was hiding in a little pit. And God shows up and says, hey, mighty warrior. Gideon's like, who are you talking to? That's not me. Like, I don't know, looking around, who, who are you talking to? He addressed him as God saw him. He saw him as a mighty warrior. For, for Gideon to think that he was more than that would have been pride. For Gideon to think that he was less than that is also pride. Yes? So seeing ourselves the way God sees us is a definition of humility. But let me go further. Humility is also seeing others as God sees them. Humility, because see, sometimes we can get our own identity and we can figure out kind of who we think we are in God, but then we look at other people and they're a train wreck. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, you're looking at them and you're like, I mean, hopefully God works in their life because, I mean, they got like, I don't even know how God puts up with them. Seriously. And God's like, yeah, but I do for you, so we're good. (laughs) But humility is seeing others as God sees them as well. You see, humility is ultimately others-focused. It's looking towards others and, and focusing on others. Rick Warren says this, Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. Humility is not thinking of yourself, thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. You see, we really begin to walk in humility when we're actually focusing towards others, when we're pushing ourselves to be there for others, to serve others. So Paul writes this in Philippians chapter 2, Verses three and four, he says, do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. That's humility. But you know, it's supposed to take us somewhere. It's supposed to move us towards a relationship in a way that we're actually there for people. We're actually serving them. And this is what Jesus demonstrates. And he goes on in same chapter, Philippians chapter two, verse five. This is where we get this idea of how Jesus served us. In your relationships with one another. So that's all of us. Go ahead and look around, find everybody that you love and encourage them. You, 
have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Whew, that's a big jump from the God of the universe to human likeness. And he says, in being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. You see, Jesus served us in humility. He came and, and gave his life for us so that we could be with him in relationship. Isn't that awesome? That's what he did for us. But then he says we're to do the same thing. Humility then is others focused. Humility then is looking for ways, how do I minister to you? How do I serve you? How do I love you in such a way that I can build you up? So that brings me to this last point, and that is that pride often gets in the way. You know, the sneaky thing about pride is that most of us don't know we're proud. If I were to ask for a show of hands, who thinks they're proud, who thinks they're humble, that's a, that's a pretty tricky question, isn't it? Because it's like, if you raise your hand on humble, ah, that's, but you don't want to, but you don't think you're proud. Most of us don't think we're proud. Pride is a blind spot. It's something that's just hanging right there that we can't quite see. Dwayne Elmer, I, I love mission work and, and being able to minister across cultures. And, and one of the things, when you go into another culture, you really have to go in with some ability to want to learn about their culture. Because if you go in all thinking that like everybody in the world is like you, you're going to be vastly disappointed and you're going to make a mess of some relationship. So he says this, when we think we are normal, how many of you think you're normal? Everybody raise your hand. Okay, thank you. We make the rather fatal slip into believing that we are the norm by which everything else can be judged. When we think we're normal, by the way, well, we're all unique, aren't we? We're all unique. But the problem is that we begin to judge others by our normal life, by what we think is right, by what we think is normal, and we make that fatal slip into pride. And so I want to I challenge you today to serve one another in humility, but I want to say that that's going to take some, at least, effort to put aside our pride of thinking that we're always right. Husbands, wives, this is going to help you in just your marriage life, I promise. Put aside that, that, that thing that says we're always right and be willing to understand other people so that we can learn how to serve them better. So that we can learn how to walk in patience, in understanding, in love, in forgiveness. So I have this story that, uh, again, from, from the same guy on cross-cultural servanthood, and I'm going to read it to you. Monkey and a fish. Monkey and a fish. A typhoon had temporarily stranded a monkey on an island. In a secure, protected place on the shore, while waiting for the raging waters to recede, he, the monkey, spotted a fish swimming against the current. It seemed obvious to the monkey that the fish was struggling and in need of assistance. The fish is swimming in the current. Being of kind heart, the monkey resolved to help the fish. A tree precariously dangled over the very spot where the fish seemed to be struggling. At considerable risk to himself, the monkey moved far out on a limb, reached down, and snatched the fish from the threatening waters, immediately scurrying back to the safety of his shelter. He carefully laid the fish on dry ground. For a few moments, the fish showed great excitement, but soon settled into a peaceful rest. 
joy and satisfaction swelled inside the monkey. He had successfully helped another creature. Can I be honest with you, though? This is how a lot of us serve other people. This is what pride is. See, the monkey, and I mean, unbeknownst to the monkey, he was just doing what he thought. He was trying to be nice. And do you know what the reality is? A lot of times, even when we're trying to be nice to other people, if we don't have the understanding of their context, what they're going through, what they're facing, then we end up being the monkey and we do more harm than good. We pull them out of a situation or put them into a place where it's like, well, this is good for me. I'm sure it'll work for you. But why not take the time to get to know them? to understand their situation. How can I put aside my own pride of thinking that everything that's good for me is good for you and understand that maybe Jesus is doing something different in your life that he hasn't done in mine? And I can help serve that. I can, I can come alongside that. You see, that's what humility is. It's, about, it's not just about helping others the way that we think we want to be helped. It's about taking the time like Jesus did to understand their context. He became and became one of us. He came to earth as a human, became one of us, lived his life like us. For 30 years, he knew what it was like to be us. And then he served us from that place. We're called to serve others from that place of understanding, of taking the time to know somebody so that we can really walk in humility towards others. So I just have a couple questions for you as I conclude this morning. And I just want you to contemplate this or, or, or reflect on this just for a moment. So let's just take a moment. I, I just want you, if you're willing, just, just bow your heads, just close your eyes, just get alone with Jesus, just you and Jesus. And I just want to ask you two questions. And I just want you to think, just let the Holy Spirit talk to you about, about these and in this area of serving one another, loving one another, humility. The first one is this, where in your relationships are you facing that decision to disconnect or reconnect? Where, in, and just think about some of the relationships in your life where you're facing this point of disconnecting or reconnecting. There's, there's something in you that's wanting to pull away, wanting to disconnect, wanting to move away from that relationship. Where are you facing that decision? And the second one is this. How can you walk in humility and understanding towards others, especially in those relationships that you just thought about? How can you walk in humility and understanding, taking the time to say, you know what, maybe I don't have it all. Maybe I don't understand everything that was happening in this situation. I might need to take a little bit more time to get a little bit more understanding and context before I disconnect. How can you walk in humility and understanding towards others in those relationships. Jesus, I pray that you would just come minister to us today. Lord, I thank you that we are your family. We are your children. That we have issues, just like everybody else. But you are doing a work in our hearts to bring us to a place where we can walk in humility where we can walk in acceptance and love and forgiveness, compassion. And Lord, I just pray that you would take those things and, and just take them a little bit deeper into our hearts, into our lives. And I just pray for restoration in those relationships where we're facing that decision and that desire to want to disconnect or to pull away. Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom and guidance and, and, and just understanding to know how we can sow into those relationships the same way you sowed into us the same way you forgave us and show us how to connect, how to reconnect 
and how to love one another like family. Pastor Steve. Humility and understanding. Thank you. Worship team, come on up. We're going to close with a song. Humility and understanding in our relationships. I'm going to invite you as we continue and as we wrap up today. If you'd like someone to pray with you, for you, you got a situation that you just want God to intersect Come meet us over at one of the tables here. Come see me after service. Come meet with Justin and Heidi. Anytime you've got someone being able to take a look and help us find our blind spots, we don't want to think of those as pride, but, you know, it's an interesting comparison. And as we look at that today and as we consider